I want you to turn with me for just a little while now that, and I, I appreciate your worship today. I appreciate you getting it. Uh, there are congregations perfectly satisfied to come in, watch the show and go home unchallenged and unchanged, but you can't get in the presence of God in true spiritual worship and not have your life begin to change. There's a melting of the heart so that there can be a molding of the life. Can you say, man, hallelujah. There is a melting of the heart when it becomes soft and pliable. That's why the Bible said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The wonderful thing about that, when the heart is melted and, and that real devotion and that real, real adoration and that real love flows uh, to the Lord, uh, then his will is what you want more than your way. Amen. Amen. His will is what you want more than your way. And that's why he said he would give you the desires of your heart. Because your heart's desire will begin to acquiesce and yield and surrender to his will. Hallelujah. Delight in the Hebrew means to be soft and pliable. It's like clay that is ready to be fashioned into whatever the, the sculptor wants to make it into. Praise God. And if God had his people in that position and that spiritual posture, then he would work a work in every one of us. We wouldn't be stagnant and we wouldn't be stalemated. We would be moving forward in our life and prog becoming progressively more like him. You know, I can't preach that right now. This is a good message in Joel. Don't get me wrong. It'd be good just to read for homework. It's a good, that's a good scripture right there. And there's a great message and I've got it uh, in my heart and I've got it on paper and I've got it to where there's certain things that are highlighted that I'd love to bring you. But, but the Lord, our hearts are beginning to be softened by true worship today. So God can do a work in us. Can you say, man, do you feel that in this room today? Amen. I feel like giving myself away all over again. Amen. It, Paul said, I sanctify myself daily. I didn't just do it one time 25, 30 years ago. Amen. I sanctify myself daily. You know, the scripture said in a great house, there are many vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor. Amen. Some of gold and some of silver and some of hay and some of clay. But if we would purge ourselves from, from youthful lust, amen. To, in other words, the flesh still controlling our life. Amen. That's what happens uh, so many times when we come to Christ and we do not fully surrender to him as our Lord and Savior. Amen. Lord is, is a title that is given to him in the old covenant. Adonai is the word that is used. It is not a name. It is the Lord. Many times they wouldn't use the name because the name that was given to him, Jehovah or Yahweh, uh, uh, actually was four letters. And when they wrote, when the scribes wrote, when they came to his name, they were using a pen and quill. They, they came to his name. When they wrote his name, then they took that pen, even if they're going to write it again further down. They took that pen and that quill pen and they laid it aside. They said, his name is so holy. We won't 
write anything else after writing his name with it, it will be laid aside. And they would get a fresh one to write his name again. So they used a title for him called Adonai, Adonai, Adonai. And it means Lord. And Lord means in the Old and the New Covenant the exact same thing. It means Master, complete, absolute Master. So the Bible said that God has given him a name because he humbled himself. God gave him a name because he was obedient to the death of the cross. God gave him a name that is above every name that is named of things in heaven, earth, and beneath the earth in three realms. His name is exalted, amen, and to be honored. Now, in the earth, there's a lot of people use his name in vain and blaspheme his name. But that doesn't mean that one day all of those people that uses his name in vain and blasphemes his name, every knee, every knee of things in heaven, there's not an angel in heaven that doesn't honor his name because God exalted him. In fact, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name that is named in three realms in heaven and earth and beneath the earth, there's not a demon in hell that doesn't recognize and revere in the sense of the fear and dread when Jesus came on to say, I know who you are. I know who you are. They knew him. Amen. They, they, they knew him better than a lot of Christians know him. <laughs> thou believest there's one God, thou doest well. The devils believe and they tremble at that reality. Can you say, man, listen to me carefully, that at the sound of his name, every knee would bow and every tongue confess and it's not the name that comes into play here. The name is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Hallelujah. There's power in that name. God has vested power in that name. There's no other name given under heaven to men by which we must be saved. And that's what brings such persecution to them then and brings it to us now. Because we will not acknowledge that there's another way to God. And there are people compromising that truth, but they're compromising the word of God. And they're helping the devil give people a false sense of security neither is there salvation in another for there is no other name given under heaven to men say it with me no other name no other name does that include krishna yes does it include buddha yes does it include mohammed yes none of them can save there is no other name that's why the devil hates it so much I've never got as much persecution as when I exalt the name of Jesus. Never. Nothing I've ever preached. I've got, a, got on to people's pet sins before, but they didn't get, get on me like people got on me when I lift up the name of Jesus and declare what the Scriptures declare and what Christ, you know, Jesus said it of himself. He said there's no other way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I don't know if it was Larry King, someone interviewing a, a pastor of a mega church. And thank God for this pastor of this mega church that didn't compromise because some of them are compromising. And we can't do it. I can't tell you you can get saved another way. 
I can't, I can't in the name of love, in the name of unity, in the name of tolerance. No, no, I can't tell you that. I, I can't tell you something is right when it's wrong, when it's biblically wrong. Amen. I risk losing your respect, your love, your acceptance, your applause. Honey, your soul. I got an account for your soul. I want your respect. I love your applause. I appreciate your acceptance and your amen. But when it comes to the word of God and the truth and where you're going to spend eternity there, I can't give an inch. I like the preacher that came on the scene and and he was in a real Bible-believing church that doubled down on the inerrancy of Scripture and the authority of Scripture and the truth. And he said, he opened, he was a guest speaker and he opened up by saying, I didn't come here. I'm not going to be dogmatic here today. Well, dogmatic means that you're really bearing down on the truth in his sense of uh, that was delivered to the saints. You're preaching what the apostles preached in the 21st century in the postmodern world. I don't want to be dogmatic. And they got all quiet and said, oh, Lord, here's a liberal preacher. He said, I'm going to be bulldogmatic. Can you say, man, I'm going to double down on it. I'm going to bear down on it. And if there's something we need to double down on and bear down on it, they're not one God with many roads. That's what the devil wants you to think. He would rather you have a false security through a false way to God than to have the true security of Christ. He would he would rather you be an atheist. He would rather you have false security than be an atheist because an atheist doesn't have any security. He's wide open to recognizing there. I hope there is someone up there. I hope there is something beyond this that is good. I hope there is no hell. I hope, no, they're wide open to conviction. But the person who's in a false religion is not open to conviction. So he loves to sponsor. Why doesn't he fight some of these false religions like he fights Christianity? Because there's no salvation. He wants people to join them as many as possible. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of destruction. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Any man that tries to climb up some other way is the same as a thief and a robber. Why? Because they are taking that that is exclusive to him. It is his blood that was shed for the sins of many. It is the only blood that God would accept. It's the only sacrifice that God would accept. It had to be innocent. It had to be pure. It had to be a lamb without a spot. He's the only man that ever walked on this planet that never sinned. He became sin in the sense of in type, taking upon himself our sin. But he personally never sinned. And his blood was holy and his blood was pure enough for God to accept the sacrifice. And to prove he accepted, he raised him from the dead. He's also the only one that ever died and rose from the dead, never to die again. And became the first fruits of everybody else that died in Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So on the talk show, the guy asked him, don't you think it's arrogant 
of Jesus to say I'm the only way to God. And I love the, not the big theological answer, but the simple answer, not, the pastor said, not if it's true. If it isn't true, it's arrogant. But if it's true, it's just telling the truth. The world would like to think, and the devil would like the world to think, that, that there are many ways, so pick the one that suits you. The one that accommodates your sin, the one that accommodates your worldview, the one that accommodates all the things that, that, so you can pick this way, you can pick that way. All the roads, there's a book, bestseller, for several months, for, out of the New York bestseller list, was Into the Light years ago. Woman supposedly died and went into the light and she met Jesus there. And now this is the Jesus in Scripture that said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Any man that tries, if it's the Jesus of Scripture, then it's not the Jesus she met. Well, he said he was Jesus. Don't matter. Scripture said even if an angel come. No marvel if Satan himself be transformed into an angel of light. Well, how are you go? Listen, if a, if a bright light appears in a room and then a big winged angel that is bright and beautiful, if you're looking for the guy with the pitchfork and the tail and the, and the you know, and the horns, used to be a lady at work. Boy, she's a mean lady. She was a mean lady. One day, one of the co-workers, when I was bivocational, went up and, and did like that. She said, what are you doing? She, he said, I'm feeling for horns. <laughs> he said, I figure they're probably starting to grow. <laughs> feeling for horns. Even if an angel bring you another gospel, let him be anathema is the Greek word. The word accursed. It's the strongest language in Scripture for someone who is under such a judgment of God. Amen. And what God hates is this misuse of His name and this misrepresentation of His Son and His salvation. Can you say amen? If an angel tells you something that is unscriptural, you tell the angel, you're going to have to get out of here. I don't receive it. See, so many Pentecostals open themselves up to the spirit realm. And like one, one guy came to, came to the parsonage behind the church, the guy that told me that Jesus was not virgin born. He said, God's give me that revelation. People are all wrong about that. You know, and I thought, and he's standing in my kitchen. He's talking to me. I was having a cup of coffee, and he knocked on the door, and I got, went back to get my coffee. He followed me into the kitchen. Oh, and he didn't just talk to me. He spoke in other tongues to prove to me that he was spiritual. Well, listen, though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not the divine agape love in my heart, something that is real and genuine and authentic from God, I'm sounding brass and I'm tinkling cymbal. Amen. Some people hear somebody talk about prayer. They think they're a Christian. We use Christian so loosely, amen, that it's almost lost. It's, it's exclus exclusiveness. Amen. 
Billy Graham was so concerned back when he was very lucid and, and still preaching. He was very concerned that, that we were using the term born again for someone who had found new love in his life. And, and uh, there's a pop song out there about uh, when I fell in love again, I was, I was born again. And he said people use it so loosely we need to change the terminology that instead of I'm a born-again Christian, I'm a born-from-above Christian. Because when you take it from the earth plane, you have to have an experience with God. Can you say, man, it has to be real. It has to be genuine. And we're, to, we're, to, we're to check ourselves out. <laughs> we're to earnestly contend for the faith. Put up a real fight. Say, put up a real fight for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Amen. Because there is no other. There's no new revelation that is going to contradict the word of God that was given us. There is no such thing. And to claim that automatically puts you in the category of a false prophet. And this prophet, so-called, came to straighten me out. Well, he picked the wrong guy. I was young, but I was a Bible-believing young guy. I was a green preacher, but I was a Bible-believing green preacher. I happened to have read the book. Amen. So, you know, I t- you know what I read in the book? This shall be a sign unto you. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. What? Isaiah said, prophet, it's going to be a virgin. He's going to be virgin born. The gospel says that this virgin gave birth. How shall it happen? Seeing that I know not a man. We got the scripture. And we got this guy going, come tie my bow tie. And then want me to listen to him. With the revelation. He wanted me to let him preach. And I thought, man, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't touch you with a 20 foot pole. <laughs> Hey man, forget the ten footer. And he was, you know, he looked like this older, experienced person. And here I'm young, and I was 27 when I started pastoring, and had all these devils to fight. And I wasn't real good at it yet. I'm getting better at it. But I didn't expect the devil to show up in preacher clothes. Talking in tongues. Well, Brother Venable, how could he do that? Well, I can tell you how. I'm glad that you asked. That dear preacher lady that we knew that had the minor burden held a prayer meeting every Tuesday in her home. And they prayed, and they prayed in English, and they prayed in the Spirit for a while. One day when they all came to pray, the bird was very reverent while they were praying because he was interested, I guess, in all of this people coming around. He sat in his cage and listened and learned. And she had a particular dialect of tongues. I, re- I remember a lady in our church had a particular dialect in tongues. And, and hers was unique to her. And, and I don't know all about prayer languages. I know that, that the, the mind is not engaged. It's coming from somewhere else. But I remember her distinctly. I could, I could mimic her tongue right now. I don't want to do anything disrespectful or irreverent. But I remember it. 
Mushantaya ha, Mushantaya, it began. And I thought, that's sister so-and-so. That was unique to her. Well, that was unique to her. And that bird listened. And after a while, he picked it up. And when they quit praying, he started talking in tongues. I'll tell you, that'll, that'll shock your prayer meeting. Can you say amen? When everybody's done praying and you hear mushintaya ha, mushintaya. And you're looking over and that bird's sitting there saying, it's me. Yeah, I picked it up. Did he have the Holy Ghost? No. Could he mimic tongues? Yes. Was it God? No. Was it the devil? No. It was just a bird mimicking. And believe me, if a bird can mimic tongues, the devil can too. Let me tell you how close he was to God. Before he fell, he was called the anointed cherub. He, was, he had a particular position, and he was the anointed cherub that didn't just have things to do in heaven or in, on the earth, but who walked among the coals of God. He was close to the very throne of God where all of that glory was emanating. Pipes were created in him. He obviously led praise and worship in heaven. And he was beautiful. And the Bible said by reason of his beauty, he was lifted up. And he became jealous of God. He wanted the worship for himself. And when he fell as that anointed cherub that, that walked among the coals of the altar, he was cast down. So becoming an angel of light, his name as that anointed cherub was Lucifer. As I said last week, I believe it was, I, I, only, I would never name a child that. You ever heard of a child named Lucifer? I've seen some that could wear the name, but... Yeah. You know, they didn't bear the name. You got to say, man, come on. You've been to Walmart. Come on. Some, some mamas just, you know, kids go that way and mama goes this way and the kids go crazy. Maybe a pit bull. Pit bull. I can see him. <laughs> you know, my bulldog. What's his name? His name be Lucifer. Okay. Well, you pet him then. You know, <laughs> keep him away from me. <laughs> There's a pit bull. I was looking online. There's a pit bull down at the, down at the, you know, where they take dogs in from the street and out there on Falkenberg. Yeah, there's a pit bull named Precious. And I thought, boy, if I was going to adopt a pit bull, that'd probably be the one I wanted. But that one named Lucifer, no, you can just keep him on down, down there. Can you say, man, Lucifer, you know what the name of this anointed cherub was? Lucifer. And what does Lucifer mean? It wasn't a bad name until he fell. It was a good name. It was an appropriate name. It was a name that was given him in heaven. Lucifer. By the way, God gave out names. He named the planets. He named the stars. Hallelujah. God likes to put a name to associate with everything he creates. And, and he gave a honorable name to the anointed cherub that walked among the coals of the altar and led the worship in heaven. His name was Lucifer, which meant bearer of light or light bearer. That don't sound like the devil, does it? That's why it's no marvel 
That's why it's not a problem for him to imitate God, to imitate the Holy Spirit, to imitate light when he, in fact, is the prince of darkness. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Some people get so spirit-focused, they lose sight of the Bible, the Word of God. We had people that would drive 300, 400 miles to stand in a line and get a word, whether from the Lord or not. I don't know. I wasn't there. I do know this. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Anything that, that came from, from the supernatural side was considered to be God. Well, there's somebody else out there. There's somebody else out there. Somebody says a few words in another tongue. Does that automatically mean they're even Christian? No. If a bird can do it, a person can do it. If a bird can do it, you know the devil can do it. Because he was an angel of light before he fell and became the prince of darkness. Listen to me carefully. Pentecostals have been too gullible for lack of teaching. And I love a spiritual service. Don't get me wrong. If God took over and I didn't get to preach, it would be just fine. But if you wanted that in every service, you would be very wrong. You know why? Because you wouldn't be getting any knowledge at all. And you would be vulnerable to every hook and crook that's out there. And believe me, many. Last day. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? Many. False prophets shall go out into the earth and deceive many. I'm going to tell you who's not deceived. Even though they, it's an, oh, well, it's all the people got the Holy Ghost. People don't have baptism in the Holy Ghost. No, 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 no. There's a lot of tongue-talking believers easily deceived by charlatans and false prophets. I remember when we came into this thing, we, we would, we, there would be somebody preaching over at some church and had a gift of the Spirit in operation and everybody's running to get a blessing. You've got to be careful with gifts of the Spirit and your desire just to get a blessing because it's better to give than receive. And, and when you never grow to the point that you want to be a blessing... Amen. And all you're going to church for is to, and, and I get a blessing when I lift him up. I get a blessing when, I, and I want the blessing and I need the blessing, but I don't just come to get a blessing. David said, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's in me, bless his holy name. I come here to bless his name. Good news is if I bless him, he's going to bless me with his presence. Bless me with his favor. Bless me with his goodness. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. Well, this guy talked in tongues to prove to me he was spiritual. But I'd already had an experience. I'd already seen falsehood that even my pastor wasn't able to explain to me. And I won't go into all of that, but God never let us have someone to take care of all of that. We had to pray and read and study. Pray and read and study. We had to pray and read and study. And when something, 
there's something in you. The Bible calls it an unction. It's in the context of knowing the Spirit of Christ from the Spirit of Antichrist. It's in First John. It says, amen, that, that every spirit that confesses not that Christ has come in the flesh. It doesn't mean just that Jesus was born in a manger and grew up and went to a cross. No, it meant that because when he came, what was his name? Emmanuel was being interpreted as what? God with us. And it's accurate to sing the song biblically, Jesus, during Christmas, Jesus, Lord at thy birth. He he was Lord in heaven before he came to the earth. Listen to me carefully. Hallelujah. We didn't know much, but we had an unction. And that meant a special anointing, a particular peculiar anointing. The Bible said when he, the Holy Spirit is come, here's what you can expect. You can be filled with the Spirit. And boy, you're going to have power from on high to do, to do exploits. You're going to have power to lay hands on the sick. You're going to have power over demons. That's absolutely true. But when he, what is he called in the context of truth? Something that is essential to overcoming the one who is called a murderer from the beginning because he was a liar. And the truth abode not in him. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. How be it? You have no need that any man teach you. What does that mean? That means you're not just looking to man, even though he's theologically correct in a particular area, without the Holy Spirit. How many people here are not Catholic today? You're not Catholic. It's okay to say you're not Catholic. I'm not Catholic either. Well, you know what you are if you're not Catholic and you're in the Christian community? You're a Protestant. You're a Protestant. What does Protestant mean? You protested Catholicism because you heard the gospel. You begin to read the Bible and the Holy Spirit began to guide you into truth and you didn't need a priest do you know they couldn't touch the Bible? They couldn't read it for themselves. A priest had to interpret it, and he did it in Latin so you couldn't understand it. So it's whatever he said. If he said there's a purgatory, and, and you've got to give him money to pray your loved one that died out of purgatory because they can't go to heaven until the priest get paid, they did that. That's terrible error. That's fraud. That's crooked as a dog's hind leg. Amen? Come on, that's pure crooked. Oh, Brother Rimbo, you're talking about somebody's religion. Lord, have mercy. You ought to hear them talk about ours. Amen? Everybody say, dog's hind leg. I'm in it. That's a good illustration. Amen? That's crooked. So the richest church in the world, I remember one guy that came out of it. Amen. He was standing on the steps trying to witness to a cardinal, a high-ranking cardinal on the steps of, of uh, uh, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. <laughs> and the 
and in, in the arrogance that we can get in our side if we're not careful because of the riches and the wealth that was pouring in materially. The cardinal looked at him and said, the time is long since gone where we have to say, silver and gold have I none. And the guy looked at him and said, yeah, that's true. And the time is long since and gone since we can say such as I have give I thee. Can you say, man, something real from God, something that can set you free, can heal your body, can keep you free. Hallelujah. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. It goes on to say, how be it you have no need that any man teach you, but we have an unction from the Holy One. We have an unction from the Holy One. We have a special anointing. It doesn't mean there's not preachers and pastors and teachers. The Bible set them in the church. But it is not with human ability. It is not with human wisdom. Come on. We, we are targeting the intellect. God is targeting the heart. Listen to me. We preach the gospel, Peter said, with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. We didn't get the word. All men wrote that book. No, holy men begin to write. When they were moved on by the Holy Spirit, can you say, man, if God moved on Peter to write, it's like me picking up a pen. Amen. Peter became yielded, sanctified, set apart unto God. And I want to borrow this just for a minute it would be like me when he's in that state i can write my word through him but it isn't peter that is intellectually doing this amen he is being inspired everybody say inspired and I don't mean inspiration like we think of it. Amen. The Bible said all Scripture, not some of it, not part of it, but all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And you know what that word inspiration is in the Greek? God breathed. Hallelujah. <laughs> what, what, what happened at creation? What happened at creation? God wants to make man a living soul. He shaped him into a shape and a form. He's made him in his image and don't mean we look like God because God is a spirit. So it was the attributes. He gave us a sovereign will. He gave us the, he didn't wind us up and turn us loose in the world. He gave us the ability to choose. Amen. To obey or to disobey, to bow to him or to listen to the devil. We all have that choice and we've got to make that choice. You have a sovereign will. You can go to hell if you want to. Oh, you may not really, really, really want to, but you can choose a path that will take you there. And if you know you're on that path, I would suggest to you it's time you change your mind about that. Can you say, man, don't you think you need to change your mind about that? There is a way that seems right. It pleases your flesh. It satisfies your flesh. It feeds your flesh. But it leads to destruction. And if we know that, it's time, amen, to not let our flesh keep ruling us and Satan reigning through our flesh that rules us. It's time Jesus became Lord. 
Not just Savior, not just Helper, not just Deliverer, but Lord. Because if He's Lord, He'll save you. If He's Lord, He'll help you. If He's your Lord, He will deliver you. But if He isn't your Master, somebody else is. And there's only one somebody else. You can't serve two Masters. It's a love-hate. And you say, I don't hate God when you serve the devil and you choose him over God. Jesus says, you don't love me. You can't. And we're trying to. Many people who claim Christianity are trying to claim God while serving Satan. Titus 1.16 exposes them. They profess that they know God. That's their insulation against conviction that would bring them to God. It's an empty profession. They profess that they know God. But in works, they deny Him. Being unto every good work abominable and reprobate. Amen. You're not saved by works. Oh, thank God it's grace. But when you are saved... Works confirm that salvation has occurred. Amen? Because the scripture that says we we are saved by grace through faith, it is not of works lest any man should boast. Right under that it says, but we are created unto good works. That means the heart has been regenerated. There has been a change. That's why Paul was told to turn them from darkness to light and to turn them from Satan unto God. Hallelujah. There's got to be a change. You can't keep shooting up, token up. You can't keep living that lifestyle and claim Christ. You can't do it. The devil has got you hoodwinked and hornswoggled, and he means business. He's out for your immortal, eternal soul. He wants you to sin right into the day you draw your last breath. And you're counting on forgiveness when you draw your last breath. The problem is you're callousing your heart over and and over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And we sin in the light of God's truth, not in the ignorance of that truth. When my son got up on a stage with a band, coming up through church and knowing the truth, Every time he did that, he got up with the band. I remember a drummer in his band. He says, you got a Christian background, don't you? He said, yeah, I do. He said, well, I do too. See, they both knew the truth. They both knew we don't belong in this bar. We don't belong using our talent for a bunch of drunks on Saturday night. Saying, you're too good for a place like this. No, that's exactly where they went. That's exactly where they stayed. Birds of a feather type thing. Only thing is, these birds were with the wrong birds. What would have happened if my son had given his talent that was God given to him because nobody taught him a thing and he was good? Not because he's my son. Musicians all over. There's There's a Robert Venable. 
I don't know if he's part of the tree or not because, you know, the tree is kind of crazy. But anyways, he may not be part of this group. But there's a Robert Venable in Nashville that is an Emmy Award-winning music producer. And he looks to be in his late 30s, early 40s, and he has black hair and brown eyes and handsome guy. He might be part of the tree. (laughs) My son had a music scholarship from River Hills Christian. We wanted to send him to PTL before they fell, that he could learn sound production, be part of the video and audio and learn that. And he left home and he decided to go with a pop band and do what he loved more than anything else. He made a choice and it was the wrong choice, but he never got away. He never got away. He said, I was playing in a, in a bar and lounge one night. And after I got through playing, he said, a guy walked up to me and you know what he said to me? He said, he said, he said, Robert, your name's Robert, right? He said, that's right. He said, you probably don't know this guy, but you sound just like him. You probably never heard of him. He's a Christian artist. His name is Phil Keggy. Well, he learned by listening to Phil Keggy. And Phil Keggy wasn't solo at that time. He was part of the second chapter of Acts singing group, part of a band called David. I think that's a good name for a dedicated Christian band, don't you? A band called David. Hallelujah. And I look back on it and I thought what my son could have done for the Lord if he had given his life to the Lord, given his talent to the Lord and not chose the road, but he never got, he's like the prodigal son song was talking about it. In the end, he came back not to my house, but to his father's house. Can you say, man, And I thank God that he's in heaven. But isn't it tragic when people keep walking a road that keeps bringing them heartache and heartbreak and ultimate destruction, but they stay on it because it seems right. But the end is destruction. And the reason my son would not respond to any conversation about healing is because he says, Dad, I knew better. I chose to go back into it. He didn't believe that God's grace was strong enough to cover that. Well, he was wrong about that too. Amen. How many times you put it up on the website? Boy, I appreciated that. How many times must I forgive, Peter said? How many times must I forgive? Seven, yea, and seventy times seven, if he asks you for it. You're obligated to my forgiveness is not limited. Praise God. He's not just the God of the second chance. He's God of 490 plus. Amen. It doesn't mean you just keep asking forgiveness and living in sin. It means that if you are serious and you come back to the father's house, he is serious about restoring you and he will meet you not halfway. He'll run to you. Amen. He'll fall upon you and kiss you. And before the ring and before the robe and before the feasting, amen, is the acceptance and love of the Father. My son got that from him. 
Amen. And he got back his robe and he got back his ring and he got back the shoes of testimony. And there, and that drummer was at his memorial service and that man was calling him or the leader of that band had come to know Christ as his savior. And they were having these conversations about where we were and where we needed to be and where we are now in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And what a witness and what a testimony that is never too late. But all of that heartache, heartbreak, and pain could have been avoided if the right road was chosen. God will, God will give you the grace. God will give you the strength. God will help you if he sees the willingness of your heart, but he's got to have it. He won't force your will. Now let me finish both of these sermons that are being interwoven here. He breathed into man and made him a living soul. He breathed into him spirit. He gave man a spirit and man the ability every time he reproduced that a spiritual being, an eternal being, not just a baby of flesh and blood, but an eternal being is created in childbirth. Perpetuating mankind. Every person born into this world will live forever. Not just Christians. That's a misunderstanding Every person on planet earth will live forever. I can't see my watch. So there's no point in me doing this. You say, thank God he's looking at his watch. Well, it's upside down. It's, I guess God wants me to finish this. What do you say? Without concern. Listen, one service, one service, one day in a time of such deception, you need teaching. You need the word. I need the word. I get in the word. I get the word in me. Hallelujah. Because it's no marvel if Satan himself be, con- be tra- transformed into an angel of light and his ministers, his demons, his cohorts as ministers of righteousness. Can you say, man, if you want to deceive a Christian, you've got you've to take off your devil suit and put on some angel wings. And the only Christians you can deceive are the ones that are not in the word of God. How do you know if an angel bring you another gospel? How do you know if it's another gospel if you don't even know what the true gospel is all about? I don't know that this is true, but they tell me if you work in a bank, they don't just show you what the counterfeit bill looks like. They don't want you to get familiar with the counterfeit bill. They want you to get so familiar with the authentic bill that when you, the counterfeit comes across, it doesn't read right. And you, I'm going to take a second look at this. I know the real so well. I don't have to know what. I'll get something will click. This is not like that. It's close. If I wasn't looking close, and, and you, you give somebody a crisp new $100 bill, watch them. Because if they take counterfeit bill, they're going to have to pay for it. If they're going to have to pay for it because they took it, even though it wasn't their fault initially, but they're supposed to check it. We're supposed to check everybody that preaches and everybody that ministers. We have an unction from the Holy One. That's why we have it. 
Amen. So, you ever see them do that? Has anybody got a hundred that I can illustrate this? Look what a bunch. <laughs> what? There's one in the offering plate? Lord have mercy. Who came in? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I must have missed that. Sean, that's a tent. No, it is. We're going to have an illustrated. Who? Who, who is this guy? All I know is George. I know George very well. But this guy, this guy right here, you, 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 hand a, you, put, it, you put it in the bank to be put in your account, a $100 bill, and they come across it. You know what they're going to do? Watch them. They're going to find a light. They're going to hold it up. They're looking to see. Because if they didn't hold it up, to the light, they might not be able to tell that it's not the real deal. But if you hold it up to the light, oh, I feel the anointing on this. I don't know. I, this is too good for me. Amen. This has got to be the Holy Ghost today. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. When you, oh, my, you hold it up to the light of God's truth. That word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my pathway. If you want to get me to take a detour here to go off there, let thine eyes look straight on before thee. Look neither to the right nor to the left. Walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you. Can you say amen? If you continue in my word, in my word, not just going to church to fall out or to get a prophecy. Those things are real. I'm not detracting from the reality of that and the blessing of that. But in the day of such deception, we, when many false prophets are deceiving many, we need more than just falling out and shouting. We need to know the word of God. We need to know what the Bible has to say. And we need to know it well enough that we would challenge an angel of light. And when do you challenge him? If he brings another gospel. If he brings something that don't sound right, what are you going to do? You're going to hold it up to the light. You're going to hold it up to the light. You're going to hold it up to the light. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Well, I was young. I was green as the grass. I didn't graduate from, from, uh, with a degree from a theological seminary. But I want you to know we had been reading the Bible. And when our pastor couldn't help us, when he was deceived and his wife was deceived, and they had to come out of the deception when it blew up and proved itself to be so wrong. But they couldn't help us. But we couldn't go back to the meeting. We couldn't participate any further. We begin to read the Bible. A flag came up. Once you get in the book, a flag will come up. You may have to go study to find out why and where it's wrong, but a flag will come up. You will not gobble everything down. You will not give credit, credibility to just anyone because they speak in tongues or call themselves by some title. You will know the truth. If you continue in my word, you'll know the truth. 
Why? Because the Spirit of truth will come and guide you. Hallelujah. Praise God. We didn't have a pastor that could figure it out. But we had the Holy Ghost. And we found out that He could give you more than a liver shiver on Sunday morning. Do you know why He called me to preach? Many reasons. One of them is that there is no individual more influential in my life than Jesus Christ. There is no one can tell me what the Bible means that I accept as the final absolute authority without getting in the book and praying that God reveal it to me in His Word. And if I can't find it in His Word, I am not responsible to accept it. I don't care if 10,000 people are following it. If the blind lead the blind, everybody's going to end up in the ditch. And we, oh, (laughs) Paul said, give them the spirit of wisdom. I pray that you will give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and in the knowledge of truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He that tries to climb up some other way is the same as a thief and robber. Not too long ago, there were 20 men, Coptic Christians. That means they were Egyptians that had come to know Christ as their Savior. When ISIS came in to the labor camp, they had come down into that area because they wanted to find work. To provide for their families. You might have seen the picture flashed quickly on the news. They were in orange jumpsuits. Twenty. They were out beside a body of water. Behind each one was an ISIS warrior in black with a long knife. They were ready to cut the throats of every one of those 20. When they went in, and I went into the story in depth, not just seeing the little news clip, but here's 20 people giving their life because they're Christian. Because they're Christian. Because they're Christian. And I've often said it. If, the, if, if they had the devotion to die for him, the very least we could do if we're going to name his name is live for him. Amen. Can you say Amen. Amen? Amen. Is it asking too much that Christians in America start behaving what they believe and have a devotion to Him that goes beyond anyone or anything or anything else in this world? Where's the disciple that's willing to deny himself? And said, that's absolutely. Tell me, where where can you find someone to serve Him? For some other reason than self-indulgence that will deny their self and say whatever the cost is worth it all. To know Jesus and to be his and to follow him. When they came into the, the area where all these people from different backgrounds had come down looking for work from Egypt. The first thing they asked was, where are the followers of the cross? which meant Christian, because the cross has become the symbol, the true symbol of Christianity. And it's not just the cross, it's the fact that Jesus died on the cross. They stood up. No one covered the cross. No one concealed the cross. And they came to an Egyptian man who had had 
been with these Christians, but he had not professed Christ like they did, but he had saw their faith and their devotion and their faithfulness. And they said, because they didn't see any cross, any Christian paraphernalia, anything to identify him. And they said, how about you? You're not one of, you're not a follower of the cross. And you know what he said? He said, I'm with them. That meant he had accepted Jesus. He hadn't had an opportunity yet to bear witness to that. But if they're going to be put to death, count me in with them because I have accepted him and he's worth it. He's worth it. What happened to the Jesus that was worth your flaky friends? What happened to the Jesus that was worth that was worth the world and all of its treasures. What happened to the Jesus that is worth denying yourself and taking up your cross in order to follow? What happened to not just the cry out as if we're begging for people to serve Jesus? What happened to the Jesus that Christians valued Enough to say, take this whole world and give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. We used to sing it, didn't we? Take this whole world and give me Jesus. What is it? The cross before me, the world behind me. I won't turn back. What happened to that Jesus and what happened to that church when devotion was the order of the day not compromise not 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 what it's become Christian doesn't mean what it used to Christian doesn't mean follower of Christ followers of the cross like it used to But I'm going to declare unto you, Jesus has lost none of his worth, none of his value. He's worth it. He's worth it all. Brother Taylor sings that song. Every time I hear it, I think fondly of you, Brother Taylor. I I know you didn't write the song, but, but every time I hear that song that changed the course of George Beverly Shea's life, when when he when he sings those lyrics about about not being held in sin's dread sway, how, how does all of that go? I'm, I'd rather I'd rather when George Beverly Shea he had this beautiful baritone voice. He was very musically inclined. He practiced on the piano, and his mother he had come to Christ, but he hadn't devoted his life to Christ yet. And his mother knew it was time for him to practice. He was actually getting ready to audition. That's back before television when radio was the big deal. And he wanted to get a job with a radio station. 
doing music and singing. That was his ambition with his talent. And she took a song, and I don't know who wrote it and how old it was, but but she put the sheet music there and the words there, and he began to play and to sing those lyrics. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than on riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses and lands. I'd rather be held in his nail-pierced hands than to be a king of a vast domain and to be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this old world affords today. And on that piano stool, singing that song, a man who had become a Christian fell in love with Jesus and devoted his life to him. Hallelujah. (laughs) Denied himself his old flesh ambition, took up his cross, amen, and followed. And guess where he ended up? Opening up and singing the solo for the Billy Graham Crusades all over the world. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. What would happen if Christians once again offered their body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, and not continually be under the influence of their flesh and the world to where they're pressed into the mold of the world, but they would live an exemplary life. Can you say amen? Those 20 Coptic Christians convinced an outsider to receive Christ and to die a martyr's death with them because he saw how they valued the Lord. What happened? What happened? What happened? Guy that comes, he's a good old country boy. He's a man now with children and guy that does our yard to spray for the works for Terminex. They spray the outside and they don't have to come on the inside because he kills everything on the outside, so there's nothing to come inside. Amen. It's some good stuff. It's worked better than anything we've had so far. This guy comes. He was in charge in the booth of the sound for Pentecostal church that has grown and outgrown and built new buildings. They had 300 young people. 300. He said, I'm not saying I'm the best Christian in the world or I'm the most dedicated, devoted. I got a lot of room for improvement. But he said, I couldn't take it anymore. He said, well, everybody talked about all the youth that we had, 300 of them. He said they had music that fit them and they enjoyed it and they really got into the music. It was upbeat and it was their kind of music. And they but said when someone picked up the Bible, he's up here watching all of this. When someone picked up the Bible, you could see the dis." Enchantment, the disinterest, the distance closing off. 
I don't care about the Bible. I don't care about Jesus leading me. I don't care about what God says. My friends, my peers. See, he watched that occur. He said they picked up their their iPhones. Anything to not pay attention. Because that wasn't what brought them there. They had no interest in really loving and serving God. But they sure loved the music and they sure loved the presentation and they sure loved the fellowship with one another. But he said it was empty of any kind of devotion. And he said, and since I wasn't much older than them, when they went out the door, they blended with the world. There was no moral compass in them because they went to church. It was part of the youth group because they had never met and made Jesus Lord of their life. And we call it, we're so far from truth, we call it success. Look at all of these young people we got in the building. Aren't we something? No. It's not what you got in the building. It's when people walk through the doors of that church out into this world. How much is Jesus worth? Is he worth more than your peers? Is he worth more than your plans? I love the little girl, teenage girl at Columbine. She has a diary. She's talking about in her journal or diary the persecution she was getting for being a Christian before she ever gave her life. Amen. She was already pressured to become part of the crowd, and she felt isolated and she felt alone. See, church ought to be a place where you don't feel isolated, where young people feel there's others like me. I'm not an aberration. I I have a family, but it's a church family. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. College. Statistics say that that most people raised in conventional churches, when they get to college, it's over. They're going to be told that's baloney. This is is where you pursue truth. This is where you make your own decisions. Don't let your parents or anybody else influence you. And if they don't know Christ personally in college, they're going to walk away from the faith. Some may come back to it, but they're going to walk away from the faith. By the way, mamas and dads, when they get out from under your influence and your control, just like my son when he got out from under my control, if he doesn't know Christ enough and love him enough to serve him, then he's going to make choices that don't include God's will, even though he knows God's will. He will violate God's word even though he's heard God's word. Because you've got to commit to follow Jesus. And it's got to be worth it to you. And we preach a bargain, basement, come and confess that he's risen from the dead and that you believe that, and then you never have to do anything else, including become a disciple of his. And that is absolute error. And the devil sponsors it. You know why? Because he knows there is a way that seemeth right. And he knows the broad way that that has created in the name of grace leads to destruction. And many, not a few, many. 
And he knows many are going to stand before Christ and try to acknowledge his lordship when they never lived under his rule. They were baptized, probably. They said we did mighty works. Maybe they went to Bible college. Maybe they led a youth group. Maybe they led a ministry. He didn't, he didn't question that they had done religious things in his name. He didn't question that at all. He questioned them calling him Lord. And living a life that is completely a contradiction to what Lord means. Without devotion, no wonder these chairs are empty. And this guy that he said, I'm not where I need to be, but I know where we're supposed to be. And he said, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take this report of look how many people. In other words, let's count heads. That's success to the church. Your kids need Christ. My son needed Jesus. He didn't need a play. He didn't need he didn't need his kind of music without a call to Christ. Without conviction. That's not Christianity. So where are your kids going to end up? Where did my son end up? Without that personal encounter with Jesus. You remember Jim Gates? He used to minister to young people. I ministered at his funeral. I ministered at his funeral while my wife was waking up. Because no one knew him like I did, and I'd made a commitment to do it, and I prayed about it, and I talked to her surgeon, and God gave me perfect peace. She is fine. I took care of it and run back to the hospital so when she woke up, she could see my mug. <laughs> and that always makes her smile. Can you say amen? One of Jim's sons, who is a dedicated follower of Jesus now. Both of them actually are. One of his sons spoke before I spoke. He said, I'll never forget being at Brother Venable's church. He said, I was just a young man. I, my daddy, you know, talked to me and I was taken to church, and, but I'd never met Christ and I didn't have a lot of interest in anything except having fun and doing my thing. He said, Brother Venable was preaching, and of course, I was just antsy and wanting to hurry up and go do something fun. And said he was preaching up a storm and said, he, 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 he said, I'd never encountered the presence of God. I'd been taken to church, and I know the routine. You, you sing songs, and the preacher preaches, and you go home. And he said, but he said, Brother Venable was preaching, and he said he made a point, and he st- Stomped his foot. I can't imagine me doing something like that. But anyway, he stomped his foot like that and, and said he, he said it with force. Whatever he said, he stomped his foot and said it with force. And he said it was like a shock wave come over that whole church of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I, I just felt like there was a, a shock wave came over me and I felt God is here. God is real. This is not just religion. God is in this place. 
And he said, I grew up and I got away from the faith. But he said, I never got away from the fact that this is real. This is not man-made religion. This is not made up. There is, this is real. And if it's real, then there really is a heaven. And there really is a hell. And there really is a devil. And there really is a God. And he said when it came time, when God began to call me, I already knew it was real because I experienced the reality of God in that church. And I thought, Lord, they can stay away in droves if they want to, but this is put to our account. We didn't come there to play church. We didn't come there to play games. We didn't come to compete. And we didn't come to compare. And we didn't come to play these people and we didn't a whole lot can you say man but we came there to do what we were called to do and that's preach jesus and him crucified can you say man hallelujah and preach living for god and loving god and serving god without apology or compromise because he's worth it he's worth it he's worth it he's worth it hallelujah hallelujah